You're listening to Law Talk with Bill Powers, your resource for answers to your most pressing legal questions. Attorney Bill Powers sits down with some of today's leading legal minds to discuss everything from legal issues and legislation to practice tips and policy. Now, here's your host, an NBTA board-certified criminal law specialist, former president of the North Carolina Advocates for Justice and renowned trial lawyer, Bill Powers. Hello, it's 2020 and we've begun recording our latest series of podcast conversations on Law Talk with Bill Powers. As usual, our goal is to provide a background look on the practice of law, legal issues, and developing legal trends in North Carolina. Whether you're a lawyer, a law student, judge, or someone who just wants to know more about the laws of North Carolina or the public policies um, regarding developing trends in the laws, uh, we hope this series is both interesting and uh, entertaining. Uh, today I'm joined with a, a true leader in the law in North Carolina, Jay Gervasi. Good afternoon, Jay. Good afternoon, Bill. Thank you so much for taking your time uh, to speak with us. Jay is a practicing attorney with, uh, well, three decades or more, 30 years or more of experience in the practice of law. Uh, his office is in uh, Guilford County, is that right? Yes, sir. Greensboro. And uh, his background is and uh, and is actually in workers' compensation. And I'll I'll let you correct me on any of this, but it sounds like you started in the insurance defense world, worked That's in the, and worked in the corporate world for a while. And um, I, I would like to hear a little bit at some point about how you made that transition because it's uh, for lawyers it's more <laughs> difficult than you would imagine. Uh, you are like I said a board certified uh, specialist um, in workers' compensation by North Carolina State Bar. Uh, graduated with a um, pretty impressive resume, curriculum vitae from Duke University. And uh, I, and this is, I circled this one to ask you about this because you don't see many zoology majors uh, any, anymore. Um, and worked as a medical research technician, which I have to think would help you understand some things about the, uh, I don't know, the causality of accidents and things like that. Went to Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt University School of Law and uh, did really well there, and then um, jumped the fence in 1990, and you've been practicing law in uh, Guilford County basically since then. Did I get it right? That's correct. Well, let's kind of start there. I mean, uh, you know, I actually at one time was a biology major myself at uh, NC State, so I took uh, my share of science courses, including zoology. Tell me how that that came to be, you you get a degree, and how do you transition from that to law? Well, I went to law, when I went to college, I wanted to be Jacques Cousteau, I wanted mm. to be a marine biologist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I realized lab science wasn't really for me, but I did spend a semester at the Duke Marine Lab in, in 1979. Uh, and actually, when I was there, there was a, a course that was taught by a guy who was at the time a director of the lab and also mayor of Beaufort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would bring in people who represented parts of the community that were affected by marine issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the guys he brought in was this, uh, this environmental lawyer. And I thought I'd been toying around with the idea of possibly going to medical school. Uh, and uh, I sort of liked what I saw there. And I started thinking about law school. Ended up, uh, by the time I graduated in 1980, I, I realized I was going to go to law school. I took a few years off because I didn't want to go to, you know, 17th grade or whatever. It was just right. <laughs> too many years in a row. Right. Um, and, you know, worked at Duke um, doing medical research uh, in in vivo spectrophotometry. You got to spend time in the hyperbaric chambers, that kind of stuff. Um, and then went to law school in, in 83. I I think that um, you mentioned the the background. 
probably does help. Workers' comp is a medical-heavy type of practice. Mm-hmm. We have uh, professional fact-finders. You know, there are deputy commissioners and commissioners of the Industrial Commission here, the cases. So you're not talking about 12 folks in a jury who have been, you know, pulled into, you know, from varying parts of life and, and may, you know, be in the trial of one case in their lives. Uh, so you get to do things medically. You get to go places that you really can't do in a in a jury trial because it's it's too complicated and and um, you know too difficult to to help folks understand <clears throat> you don't have that day to day exposure to complicated medical issues and I, I don't know if it's more a matter of, of experience with that stuff or um, or aptitude that led me to that in the first place but it, it does give me a little bit of an advantage mm-hmm. at times in uh, in some of the medical depositions where things get complicated that it, that it helps me to have that background um, but I, I just you know I, I still love the biological sciences stuff. You know, when I'm, when I'm you know, messing around on my own or down at the beach or something like that, I, I love it. But the uh, um, it wasn't a way for me to make a living, uh, hmm. so I ended up going the law way instead. Sure. I don't know if you ran, I don't know if you ended up with the same process or, or something else happened, but that's a <clears throat> that's a. And of course, when I went to law school, everybody when they go to law school thinks they're going to do something, and then they completely change their minds while they're right. there. So I was going to do uh, you know, corporate litigation and uh, maybe some patents and that sort of thing and some intellectual property law because of my scientific background. And that went out the window. When I got out, I started doing insurance defense work for a couple, you know, about four years and then um, went to uh, went to the plaintiff side. You, you mentioned the transition. Um, I actually got fired twice mm. from firms, uh, from two firms working on the bad guy side. I use the term bad guys sort of jokingly because uh, they're a lot of good friends on the other side. Sure. Um, but the um, uh, I realized after the second one that I probably shouldn't be doing work for insurance companies anymore. So I sort of got kicked over the fence, and uh, things have worked out a lot better in the last 30 years. So. Nice, nice. <clears throat> yeah, I actually, um, I, I, I pretty consistently refer to myself as the accidental lawyer. Um, <laughs> right. I did not have any want or desire really growing up to be um, an attorney. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't um, have this uh, entirely altruistic purpose for going to law school. Um, I didn't want to get a job, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I ended up going to law school. So you became a lawyer instead of getting a job. Right, right. Which is the way I view it, too. <laughs> right. Um, well, and we're very blessed to be lawyers in what we yeah, do, but there, it's also, a, um, as I like to say, it's a, it's a difficult way to make a living. Um, uh, <clears throat> Workers' compensation is uh, is in in I think you see I don't know this is this is my anecdotal belief but I I, I think you tend to see a higher percentage of specialists in that particular uh, field workers' compensation in North Carolina because you have to be um, workers' compensation for for the uninitiated is a kind of an agreement between the employers and, and represented by insurance companies and sometimes they're self-insured and the employees whereby um, it's not in the normal court system. It's not a, you know, a tort. Uh, negligence really, except there are some exceptions, but negligence really isn't as much of an issue. So even if you accidentally hurt yourself, uh, there's still coverage. Um, but by so doing that, you give up some of the advantages of taking something in front of a jury. Um, you also give up amounts of values that you may necessarily get because some of it's set. For example, you know, you get a percentage of your normal work work wage, or you may get a certain amount for a lost limb or things like that. Did I get it right? At least sort of? Yeah, that's right. No, that's, that's real right. Uh, basic, the basic deal cut in the early part of the 20th century 
<clears throat> and sort of you know progressing state by state. We all have diff slightly different laws. Uh, is you know the bargain is that injured workers are going to get paid regardless of fault. You know they're you don't you don't have to prove your employer's at fault. Uh, even if your own stupid mistake causes your injury, you still get covered. Uh, but the deal is that you then get, like you said, what the workers' comp system pays. You don't get any money for pain and suffering. You don't get your full lost wage. You get a part of it, that sort of thing. Um, and you you don't get to sue your employer outside of workers' comp if uh, if you're if if they're negligent. Sure. Uh, it becomes a no fault system with a defined benefit, uh, except you know, very rare exceptions for intentional injury and reckless injury, that kind of stuff. Things get complicated. But you know, bottom line is the in almost the vast majority of cases, almost all of them. Uh, it's a no-fault system. You get paid. You get paid along the way instead of wait for a jury mm -hmm. verdict. So it's a it's been an extremely important and effective, uh, you know, social benefit program that's benefited both both employers and employees for, you know, getting close to 100 years at this point. It's a it's a it, it's a good thing. Right. <laughs> so. And and but there it, as and you said it is a bit of a bargain. In some ways, it's a Faustian type of bargain because there are some negative aspects at times that I think. Uh, both for the employer and the employee. Uh, from an employer standpoint, they may feel like, gosh, why are we paying for something that we didn't cause? On the other hand, employees are held to a standard that uh, you have to give them uh, notice, sometimes written notice. There's a timeline. I think it's 30 days in North Carolina unless there's an exception. And um, like you said, you don't, you're kind of lumped in with what the standards are as far as um, what a limb is worth. And of course, you may have to be subject to talking to a company or an employer's um, doctor. Um, from, a, from a, from a, I didn't mean to step on you there. Uh, no, not all. Okay. Um, is, is this something that, um, and after 30 years, I mean, uh, and, and frankly, we do have a lot, a fair number of law students um, and other lawyers <laughs> listen to the podcast. Um, is this something that you, you enjoy doing? Is this something that you feel like you're helping people? What's your, what's your motivation behind it? Yeah, you know, one of the things that nagged at me, I, I guess I was raised by, to be sort of an empathetic person to uh, to sort of focus on the underdog. Mm -hmm. I've never been tolerant of bullies. That's where they couldn't stand them. Right. Uh, and when I was on the on the bad guy side, uh, again, teasing about the bad guys sure. part, there's a lot of good friends over there who do good work and are good people. Uh, but the uh, if I won a case, especially one that I shouldn't have won mm -hmm. uh, in a workers comp case, for example, uh, I would be, you know, taking food out of the mouths of widows and orphans <laughs> sort of thing. And right. I was never as empathetic to my clients. I, I did the work and I was, you know, did what I was supposed to do and worked hard for my clients. But if, if an insurance company loses a case, it doesn't really make very much difference. Uh, if a, if a, a hurt person loses a case, uh, it's devastating to the family. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, uh, I was always sort of, you know, personally more empathetic to the other side. It didn't keep me from you know, depriving the widows and orphans at the time, but it, it's more of a natural fit for me over here. Uh, and, and workers' comp does um, reach kind of close to the bone. Uh, it's it's about basic things like being able to provide for your family when you're unable to work. Uh, the injuries tend to be, uh, you know, well, at least the ones I deal with usually uh, severe, mm -hmm. uh, relatively speaking. Uh, and it's 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 hard on families. Of just the the whole thing is is a little more raw. Uh, and I guess I've got a tolerance for that, uh, but it also sort of makes me feel like I'm, I'm accomplishing something for people mm -hmm. uh, when they when they have these problems. Uh, again, there's nothing wrong with being on the other side, but it's uh, for me this is a much better fit. Right, and to be to be clear, you represent 
injured employees. That's correct. Um, you do not represent the corporations, the companies, the employer, the insurance company. That's right. It's been right. 30 years since I represented right, those people. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> and, and and The wounds are fresh. Uh, there are things about working on the other side, too, that are that are difficult. You have to have each, – each of us chooses our poison, uh, but uh, the insurance companies can be pretty rough on their lawyers. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm really sympathetic to my colleagues on the other side uh, with you know how they're driven by the uh, the folks at the insurance companies. It's uh, – yeah. Again, everybody picks their poison, but that's a poison I didn't like very much. So right, and and frankly, um, you know, insurance companies don't make money by paying excessively on claims um, or and, paying at all. Yeah, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> and um, for the record, we speak to both sides, and and sure. um, and and um, there are good, bad, and not so uh, nice things about both sides of the law. I think at times, and uh, I think uh, workers' comp. And there are a few areas of practice um, where I, I can say this, but workers' comp to me um, is sort of where the rubber hits the road between the inter, you know, interaction, the daily, I guess, the humanity of the practice of law between the attorney and the employee. Um, and, and that's that's tr- a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's true so, with my clients, too. I mean, we have a, we have sure. a multi-practice uh, group, but... Um, a lot of our uh, clientele are just ordinary people. Uh, we sure. don't we don't represent the corporations. We're not arguing about some shareholder derivative action or some um, uh, overly esoteric issue. These these are very real people, very real lives, and very real <coughs> concerns. Um, and so I I I I'll ask you a question, and it's it's I think it's a real question for lawyers, especially. I've been doing it twenty seven years. I think I'm in my 28th now and you're 30 something. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the concerns we're seeing as, as practitioners uh, uh, for our generation, uh, whatever that generation may be, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a boomer. <laughs> I'm a, I think I'm a Gen Xer, but um, how, how do you maintain, how do you avoid burnout? And this is a personal issue. Like I, I'm, I go fishing. Um, I walk mm-hmm. a lot. I have a you know personal spiritual side tell me as as you feel comfortable i'm not trying to put you on a spot but sure. as, I, I think young lawyers and law students just see the glamour of things and that you know the courtroom drama they see on tv but they don't realize <laughs> that it's not the very glamour <laughs> well, <laughs> my, my i tell my clients there's a reason there are no realistic television shows about lawyers right because they sit on the other side of a desk and talk to me i I talk to people. I read stuff. I talk on the phone a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I go to you know court, and, and next week I've got to argue something in the court of appeals. Like, a, I guess that's glamorous. I don't mm-hmm. know, <laughs> but it's pretty much it's pretty much just doing your job. Right. Uh, but most of it's just kind of things that other people would find boring. You know, I, part of it is because I like the job so much. Mm-hmm. You know, people might start thinking about retiring and that sort of thing, and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like what I'm doing. I mean, I'd like to have, you know more control over my time and maybe mm-hmm. be able to do other things more and uh, you know, that sort of thing. But, I, but I don't really see any need to stop doing what I'm doing. So I just enjoy it so much. Going to the office is not a burden for me. Mm-hmm. Now, part of it is um, also that I've been practicing by myself now for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, for me, uh, because I'm such a weirdo, um, not having to satisfy somebody else uh, makes the job very, very easy. I mean, if I, I can go to the office when I want, I can do my work when I want, as long as I do it. Uh, and I don't have to care what anybody else thinks. Uh, so that takes a pressure off that makes it 
again, very easy for me not to be burned out. Mm -hmm. uh, when I when I was uh, working on at the larger firms, when I was on the, the defense side, uh, there was a lot of pressure uh, to you know, bill hours, that mm -hmm. kind of thing, and, and to look uh, sort of the right way in terms of your attitudes toward things, uh, which I didn't like. Uh, and even when I was practicing on the uh, on this side for the first 10 years with uh, a firm here in Greensboro, which I guess is now, now it's Ward Black Law. In fact, I was over there last mm -hmm. night for some little gathering. Okay. Um, but it was Donaldson and Horsley when I got there in 1990, and our Donaldson and Bill Horsley, tremendous lawyers. So, mm -hmm. Uh, Bill is formally retired, or just kind of getting that way, I guess. Uh, but the uh, I enjoyed working with them. But even so, being in a firm with other people uh, applied pressures to me that made me you know, not like the job as much as I would. But practicing on my own like this and uh, sort of just doing—I may have been retired for 20 years, I don't know, but but I don't feel. And for me, the outlet is uh, is generally family things. I'm a I'm a big I'm a bit of a couch potato. My wife and I enjoy spending time together. Uh, doing anything or nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughters are, are great people. Uh, their uh, fiance and husband are, are, are people I enjoy spending time with. So we, it's just um, a lot of it's sort of quiet, boring family stuff for me. Uh, I don't fish nearly as much as I'd like to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I see your stuff on Facebook. And I'm just you know, grossly envious <laughs> of you out there, you know, driving the redfish crazy. But the, <laughs> but, it's, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I like, you know, going places modestly that sort of thing i mean i don't have any need to you know take a three-week cruise to the pacific or anything like that but it's um just normal day-to-day -day life makes me comfortable right yeah. well and that's the, the you know the good stuff as you get older is our you know i've i've got one that's about to go off to college and you realize god you have so many so many days and they're limited and they're counted and they're measured <laughs> and um, um sometimes that's good and sometimes you're like boy i'm gonna be lonely so um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if younger lawyers or even law students realize that the practice of law. I think, and, and I want to hear your perspective on this, but I think it is sure. more of a marathon than it is a um, uh, uh, a sprint. There are periods when you sprint, um, mm -hmm. and it's always important to work hard. But I, there's a large measure in my mind of pacing yourself and being smart with um, your time. And and you know, Jay, when I first started practicing law. Um, I was telling someone at the clerk's office about this yesterday. I, my first lawsuit I filed, I typed on an IBM Selectric. And I had to explain to them first what that was. <laughs> they had no idea. <laughs> and I said, well, let me, if you really want to talk about how interesting it was, we used to use something called onion skin, and then we would put a oh, piece yeah. of carbon paper. And, um, <laughs> sure. the, and, you know, we would do... Stone tablets. You know, right, that. right. Cuneiform, right? But, um, <laughs> but it... With the advent of technology, and I'm a techie guy, I mean, I, I remember always priding myself that I had one of the first pagers in the courthouse, and I remember having a sports feed, and we had the Nextel flip phones with texting, and um, <laughs> and now I, it's a tool, and it's something that um, I use, but it is also something I have to be very careful with uh, my time as far as access for clients. How, how do you deal with that? I personally, I don't mind calling people after hours if it's my choice to do that as opposed right. to giving full unfettered access, which I don't do. I, 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 I don't know many lawyers that do. Um, what what I, I are your thoughts you on that? I don't think you can do that, especially with the clients that we have, that you have as well as I do. You're talking about you know, very, a very personal relationship with your clients, with ordinary people. Um, the things that are happening to my clients are bad. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's, it's sort of like church. You can't, if, if you open yourself up too much, 
to, to empathy, basically, um, you can be drained and you become useless to everybody. I mean, if you, if, you, if, they, if you allow the process to suck you dry into just an empty husk, then you're not going to be any good mm-hmm. for any of your clients. Right. Uh, so you have to, I mean, I talk to my clients at odd hours, but yes, it's my choice. I mean, I've, I've got a friend, in fact, the, uh, the lawyer I'm going to be arguing the Court of Appeals case for next week, um, has her, her clients have her cell phone number. And occasionally we'd be at lunch or something, and she'll spend most of the time fielding calls from people who have problems. Uh, she also does, you know, pretty much all workers' comp stuff. And it's just, I just can't imagine doing that. I mean, you have to have uh, the ability to not have the practice all over you all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it does tend to chase you around. Right. Uh, it's one of those jobs uh, where, you know, you don't leave it at the office when you go home. Um, but it's... Uh, or at least I can't. Uh, there, there are too many medium and long range uh, uh, you know, horizons going on. Right. You know, like, um, it's. Uh, I don't know how your practice is because I know that a lot of what you do is uh, is going to be you know, trial focused on uh, on you know, DWIs and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the the cases a workers' comp case goes on potentially for a very long time. Right. Uh, because and you'll have a person who's getting benefits and different issues will come up. You'll have to have trials over them. You'll have uh, you know, go to the court of appeals, that sort of thing. Uh, maybe sometimes multiple times in the same case over the course of a decade, um, and it doesn't really leave you. You never really finish everything at the office, um, but it, it that doesn't seem to get to me much. Again, you know, with respect to any you know law students who are listening, it's really very individualized. Like you were saying, the things that that make us, you know, that, that help us to maintain balance. Uh, are are very personal and individualized. So you you sort of have to figure out what it is that's going to make you balanced, mm-hmm. and do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, I think. You. What yeah, do you? Yeah. Well, and and I, I agree with you. I said uh, uh, you know you do you is the kind of thing. Um, yeah. Now, one of the things I'm I'm interested in as a lawyer is this idea of what I call an internal compass, a moral compass. Um, you know, natural law theory. Um, some would argue that there's we know, I guess, intrinsically in our in our inner souls, what's um, right or wrong. Um, to you, is being a lawyer merely a business, or is it something else? Should it be more? Are there aspects of serving the community in the practice of law? Well, if there was, if it was a business, then I'd be screwed because I'm terrible at business. Right. <laughs> I might be okay at handling cases, but I just got no vision. <laughs> right. One of the reasons I practice by myself is I can't manage organizations. Um, the uh, yeah, I, I think it may depend on what you do. Mm-hmm. Again, doing work for insurance companies is important work. Uh, I don't know that it, it uh, it's not the sort of thing that would make me feel like I was, again, doing what I should be doing. Right. Um, but that's, that's not to say that other people aren't. I mean, you can't have a system in which um, our side just gets whatever we want. There have to be people on the other side uh, to maintain balance, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's wrong for me, but it's not wrong in general. Um, I think, uh, I, I think for for me, and again, in a practice where you're representing people at, in some of the most basic parts of of people's lives, uh, it it kind of goes beyond being a business sort of thing. It's a uh, I almost don't get don't have to look at business very much. It's really about uh, representing the people. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that's that's for me. I, um, and it, I think, I think you and I both uh, do a service to society by 
Uh, you know, both the, one of the things that that defines the, you know, the, the North Carolina Advocates for Justice, for example, which you've been president, mm -hmm. I haven't. Um, you know, the, the 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 used to be the Academy of Trial Lawyers back in the good old days, um, is that uh, whether it be criminal practice or workers' comp or personal injury, that sort of thing. In general, our defining characteristic is we represent uh, the relatively powerless individuals mm -hmm. against larger systems. You know, when you go to a trial. Every case is one in which the entire state of North Carolina is opposed to your individual client. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're always bigger than, than you are. Uh, for me, uh, my hurt person never has the, the, you know, the raw power of the person on the other side. Uh, and I just find that really rewarding. Uh, it's, uh, it makes it easier for me. Well, I, and I, I agree with you. I, I, um, one of the things I like to tell younger lawyers, and I think I, I try to um, disabuse them of some notions, one of which is that, you know, lawyers just ton it in the financial perspective. Part of the better part of compensation in my mind is being able to help people and getting to know our clients. Um, and there are some practice groups where they just ton it. They make a lot of money. But the average yeah. in and out lawyers, I just don't think that's the case or it's not what people think. And I do get worried when I hear people going to law school because they, they I want to make a lot of money. Or um, I, I think law to me is a higher calling. Um, and I know the law schools. Um, uh, I was actually speaking with Peggy Abrams on the phone earlier this week, and we were talking about law schools mm -hmm. and who gets admitted. And, and um, law schools, I think, are very much interested in people who have uh, um, perspectives that are a bit more altruistic in nature. Um, in fact, one of the problems now is that the cost of school has gotten so much, so high, that even if you wanted to do, be a public service lawyer, you can't always afford to do it because of the amount of debt that you come out of law school. So um, it's different now than it was when you graduated law school in, in the sure. early 80s. And it's different for me as well. Um, and we have jobs to do, and sometimes we like parts of the jobs, and there are times not so much. Um, uh, that that, uh, that that it is it is a lot to carry, um, especially when you know that person's looking at you and saying, you know, this is my life, this is my livelihood, and we take those jobs and those roles and responsibilities um, seriously. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and I, I'm glad you did mention NCAJ. That's an organization that I, I do recommend. Whether you are an insurance defense lawyer or you're a prosecutor or a plaintiff's lawyer or a criminal defense lawyer, I do encourage the lawyers to get involved in the community, in the legal community and their individual community. So, you know, if you're a plaintiff's lawyer, NCAJ. If you're a district attorney, the conference of district attorneys. Because there is more to the practice of law than just stepping in a courtroom or arguing motions or going to court of appeals. You, I think we have a duty to give back to the community. Um, mm -hmm. And you've been very generous with that with your time. I see you, yeah. you, you, know, you, you do that yourself. So how did you get into that? What, what, what kind of things do you do, I mean, as far as um, 
Um, you mentioned going to an event at, at Janet Moore Black's uh, place this last week. I mean, and that well, it, it was uh, it was a welcoming party for a, a new lawyer there. And I mean, I, I've well, know, that's important too. Left, Welcome to the yeah. practice, but yeah, go yeah. ahead. And 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 despite you know having you know left that firm, Janet Moore's friend of mine, right? Uh, and uh, they just had this little gathering. It was no big service thing. I just ran over there for an hour and said hi to some of my old friends. Um, and the uh, but as far as the, the, the activity within the bar, um, a lot of it for me is self-serving, admittedly. <laughs> of when, I was, uh, when I was casting around trying to figure out what I was going to do after I got fired the second time, mm-hmm. um, uh, Tom McNeely down in, uh, in Charlotte, uh, was, mm-hmm. I was networking around. He said, well, I don't have anything for you, but, but whatever you do, you've got to get involved in this North Carolina Academy of Trial Lawyers because I got this workers' comp committee. It wasn't even a section yet. And all the top plaintiff's lawyers who do it, you know, that stuff are there uh, and you'll learn a lot from them. And that was absolutely true. I mean, they're, you know, very generous people, uh, a generation ahead of me, uh, some of whom are still hanging around uh, and you know them. <laughs> so the, uh, are just, uh, you know, it, it made me a much better lawyer. Because when, I, when I went to work with Art and Bill, um, I was the only guy there with any real comp experience and it had all been on the other side and I'd been practicing law for four years. Uh, so there was no place in the firm that I was going to get uh, the ability to become a better lawyer. Mm-hmm. So getting involved in the organization was critical for me uh, to, when I was on the defense side, not as much because you would have multiple lawyers in the same firm uh, doing the same kind of work and you would learn from them. Uh, my old boss, Rick Lewis, for example, was you know, one of the, the deans of the defense bar, a real nice guy, um, which went to show that I could be fired by people who were really nice. Uh, but, but you know, you would, and also on the other side, there's a certain amount of more sort of jealous guarding of the expertise because the, uh, the competition for the insurance company, you know, clients, uh, is, is harsh, uh, and, and really weighs on the lawyers. Uh, so you don't have quite as much cooperation on the other side. Uh, those lawyers tended to, uh, to do community things, uh, in the outside community more, I, my observation, they're more likely to be on the boards of symphonies and that sort of thing than we are uh, because they don't they don't have the same sort of uh, you know, sort of a level of activity in their bar groups that we do uh, but it's uh, yeah it's, it's just important to our clients um, and I, I do a lot of, of continuing education presentations have for a while I do our um, our the workers comp uh, annual case law update mm-hmm. uh, every year that we present at our convention uh and the uh with with and lately i've had some other lawyers um working with me on that uh in the presentation part i still do the manuscript which is probably pretty lame because i'm doing it uh but with uh with three or four of us doing the presentations much better presentations mm-hmm. i was getting to the point where after an hour i was in, you know, my 25th case. I was starting to lose track of what I was talking about. Right. It's, it's, um, but those sorts of things, uh, they're important to service the bar. Uh, for me, it also helps me keep updated on my, in my own practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the, uh, the people we practice with are friends of mine, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our colleagues. Uh, and it's just good to be with them. Sort of thing. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the law isn't the only area of the world where, where people uh, are driven to, to public service. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, there are easier ways to make more money uh, than what we do for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, the, the service aspect is something that really appeals to me. Well, and I, I, you, you mentioned something after my own heart was the continuing education. Um, if I had my any dream job, and we'll kind of transition into that, but I think teaching would be one of my 
top two or three um, alternative jobs other than practicing law. I, um, that's how I kind of started working my way up at NCAJ, uh, doing continuing legal educations, working with uh, other lawyers doing it. And then um, it's, a, it's a tremendous responsibility that case law update is hard. I've actually attended your case law update because I um, used to go to uh, quite a few of those meetings. You, I don't know if you still have it in Chapel Hill at that um, facility. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the workers' comp section is a very, very um, tight group. We all have done uh, amazing work for years and years and years. The current president of NCAJ is a workers' comp person, uh, Vernon Sumwell. Yeah, but he's too young. Um, <laughs> he's way too young. And, and not uh, very bright. I mean, Vernon's obviously an idiot. <laughs> and actually, Vernon's one of the people who's been who's been helping present the uh, right. the, manus- the yeah. manuscripts the last couple of years. And, and he's, a, he's a huge contribution. I mean, obviously. He's amazing. Vernon is, Vernon's past the point of rising star to just star at this point, I think. And some people don't know this about Vernon, but um, I do because Vernon's a friend. Uh, Vernon uh, is professional grade musician, a drummer, uh, yep. University of Miami, and some of his closest friends actually have won Grammy awards. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. guys, uh, his undergraduate major, I think it was. Yeah, right. he gave me a ride someplace uh, from the the uh, uh, headquarters in Raleigh to a restaurant or something after something. Mm-hmm. And in the back of his truck, he had these conga drums. <laughs> he was taking some gig he was doing that night. So, yeah, he's a real live musician. Right, amazing, um, amazing. So, well, it, it does yeah. transition us to the next portion of this, and I whether you watch uh, James Lipton, if you know who that is, on uh, Inside oh, the yeah, Actor Studio, uh, he uh, credits uh, with uh, Bernard Pavot um, and, and uh, the um, uh, questions of life about what, what are important to people. These are just fun. There's no right or wrong answer. Uh, <laughs> I do serious. love sometimes the answers I get. Um, because uh, I, I think it, it, it's meant to show just that lawyers are different people. It's okay to be quirky, and there's not one type of person or personality. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of one of Pubo's questions, if I'm saying it incorrectly. I apologize. I took Spanish, not French. Um, what, is, what sound or noise do you hate? And I'll tell you, I've got, I have an ongoing relationship with um, – Leaf blowers and low-flying helicopters that circle my office right now. <laughs> uh, so I don't know which one I hate more. But I'll, I'll do something um, more in a positive vein for you. So uh, where, sure. where would you like to live? You live in G-Town. You live in Guilford County. And you've lived up and down the East Coast. I think you said your dad was in a scientific background. Um, yeah. Would you be someone that would say, oh, I'd love to live on the coast. I'd love to live in Barcelona. I'd love to live in Paco Paco. Uh North Carolina Beach, okay. good for me. Uh, I would, uh, well, maybe not actually on the beach because it's too challenging to be there. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, my, I've always, I've loved Beaufort for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, and my parents actually retired to Moorhead um, mm-hmm. from Dad's last job in New Jersey. Um, but it's, uh, and and I actually after graduating from college, I I worked at a bar down in Beaufort in 1980, the first year it was open. There's places like an open air insane asylum down there. It was just great. A bunch of young people running around being silly. Um, which which <laughs> one? It was the Dock House. It was oh, there. I know right where it is. Okay. And yeah. when, when I went to the Marine Lab in 1979, the the mm-hmm. waterfront of Beaufort was a dump. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just all these old beat up fish houses, that sort of thing. Well, and Menhaden, right? During the the year between the you know, second semester of my junior year and the second semester of my senior year, uh, somebody bought it, wiped out all that stuff and put up the gleaming docks that you know now have all those boats and that sort of thing. And the dock house was you know, mm-hmm. was a an office for the docks and b uh, had a you know, bar restaurant, you know sandwiches and beer and wine that sort of thing there. Uh, so I I worked there when it was new uh, and it was just uh, 
just a blast. Yeah. Um, that's probably not something I should be doing now. Uh, <laughs> for no other reason, my wife would probably disapprove. Uh, but the, uh, but yeah, living down in that area, uh, especially during the off season, I was there till Thanksgiving. And when things cooled down from the summer, um, just, it's just a, a very pleasant place to be. I, I love walking on the beach, uh, in the autumn, mm-hmm. uh, when the weather's a little more mild, it's warm, you know, still warm enough to be in shorts and no shoes, that sort of thing. But, uh, maybe late in the evening when nobody else is out there, I just find that really serene. Sure, and hanging out at Fort Macon and the BT Beach Tavern and the Royal James are all fun things to do. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, and of course, the, and of course, the aquarium. I always go mm-hmm, to the aquarium. Mm-hmm. I just a nut about aquariums. So. Right. Well, you're a Duke guy, and and I will hasten to add that it is the Duke NC State uh, facility that's down there in Marford. <laughs> Both are down there now, I think. Um, but uh, that, I think that. So it, it, would you, since you worked there, I mean, and it's funny you mention it because I, I always thought I was the youngest member of the Cousteau Society. I grew up uh, on the ocean and I wanted to be a marine biologist myself. Do you think that'd be a job that um, if money were no object, would that be an alternative? What, what else would you like to do? Well, this point, I'm too old. Um, well, let's say we start it, over. Teach- say you got another career. What, what other career would interest you? You know, if people ask that, it, it's, it's funny because my first reaction is I have no idea if I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, my clients are always people. Well, most of the ones I have are people who can't go back to the job where they got hurt. They're hurt too badly to do what they used to do. Uh, and so they're often placed in a position of having to just open their minds up and try to figure out what something else they'd like to do. And I have to admit to them, it's like, if I asked myself that question, I would say I have no idea what to do. I mean, if, I, if I, for example, got a head injury or something that kept me from doing this, um, I could lose both my legs and still do it, but if mm-hmm. I had injuries, I don't know, have any idea what I would like to do. You talk about teaching, uh, and I, I like teaching. I don't know if I would like the technical aspects. Like I wouldn't have no idea how to prepare or grade a test, mm-hmm. for example. I mean, uh, you you may have done enough of that stuff and adjuncting around or something, but that, I would I would have no clue. Um, but uh, teaching would be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teaching more informally, you know, taking kids on field trips, that kind of stuff would be a blast. Um, I, I, when I was working in Charlotte, um, I, I uh, volunteered at Discovery Place um, and, uh, hmm. and did uh, you know, interpretation at the touch pool uh, on Saturdays. And that mm-hmm. was just huge fun with the kids. That sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I think I have no idea what my other career would be. I, I, think I'm, I mean, I think my answer to that is I'm a complete blank. Well, that's okay. Well, <laughs> be clueless. I, I want to encourage people, um, law students, potential law students. I don't personally think there's one type of degree or one type of background that's that's uh, mandatory to go to law school. Um, oh, I, I went to law school with a woman who, um, as I remember, played French horn at Juilliard. Um, wow. And um, um, there are certain different personality types and things that are better in, for litigation in my mind. I, I, I think you're born a litigator, generally speaking. Um, well, let me ask you this then. Is, uh, I don't know if you're a reader or if you're a movie guy, Netflix, whatever, but if, you know, what's the last book you read? Uh, what, what's the last show you've seen? Or, you know? Well, I, actually, I watch a huge amount of TV, but it's usually, it tends to be good TV. Mm-hmm. Um, at least last night, my, my wife's a big Doctor Who fan, so we watched that last night. Um, the... Uh, I mean, and of course, my wife directs my reading too. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite author. Um, well, there are a couple of them. Uh, one is Terry Pratchett, mm-hmm. who uh, died of uh, of you know, brain disease uh, a few years back. 
Um, his Discworld series is just magnificent. Great stuff. Huge fun. He, uh, you know, the the Good Omens uh, series they had on uh, on stars recently, I think it was, is, um, is from a book that he did with Neil Gaiman, who is another one of my favorite authors. And then there's a guy named Neil Stevenson from, I think he lives in Seattle. He's a, I think he was a physicist originally, but he writes these uh, these sprawling things. There's a there's a three book set called his Baroque Cycle. Uh, which I think the first one's Quicksilver, and then the second one is something else in System of the World or something. And it's um, it's like 3,000 pages by the time smoke clears. But it it's sort of uh, it's fictional, but in historical fiction that covers from the uh, the early 1700s through the mid to late 1700s when sort of the world was was developing the the um, the idea of, of money. And credit, mm-hmm. which had never been there before, uh, you know, some of the political stuff. He has these uh, these appealing characters who just go end up all over the world, literally all over the world. <laughs> I remember thinking, you know, with all the work he must have put into researching this, you know, if it hadn't sold, he'd be screwed. Um, but the, the most recent things I've been watching, reading are the um, uh, things by Patrick O'Brien. Mm-hmm. My wife made me do that. You know, the Master and Commander movie with uh, Russell Crowe mm-hmm. and Paul Bettany some time ago was sort of a combination of a couple of these uh, these Jack Aubrey, uh, Stephen Maturin books. There are 21 of them. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. And, oh, yeah, it'll eat your time. But um, the, the ability to get a Kindle app on my phone uh, is great because if I'm standing in line at Walgreens or something waiting for medicine, I can you know read some. Right. Uh, but it's also it'll also if you're not careful, it'll destroy your life. I mean, you end up right. just reading right. all the time instead of doing your job. And that's right. Yeah, I guess the most recent one is one of I'm, I'm in the middle of one of uh, O'Brien's earlier books before he did the uh, the Aubrey Maturin series. That was uh, great books, great books. Jay Trey, he likes them too. He's big, you know, um, Jay's better, more literate than I am. Another Duke guy too. Yeah. So, couple years ahead of me. And a good uh, bass player, if I remember correctly. I think he's he's got a musician. <laughs> and rugby player, too, if I remember right. So, yeah, he's a great guy. The distinction of having played rugby for both Duke and Carolina, I think. Oh, I did not know that. Law school. I don't think you admit the, the uh, latter, but. Yeah, um, can't have everything. So, um, in, in kind of a closing type of situation, and, and I'm sure. always trying to encourage um, younger lawyers or people considering law. Um, what words of wisdom do you have after being in the trenches 30 plus years? Um, is it a career that you think um, you would, it sounds like you'd do it again. Um, Absolutely. I don't know if I would, to be honest with you, there are times. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a hard way to make a living. Um, and I think uh, you have to be very careful uh, in, in choosing where you spend your life and where you spend your time. I, I enjoy helping people. I do get tired of some of uh, uh, as I've gotten older a little bit, um, some of the procedures and protocols, but I do enjoy helping people. But there are other other professions out there. Um, what what, are you, what advice do you have? Whether it's a new lawyer, um, you know, hey, go for walks every day, join the bar, or whether someone's considering law school. Well, one of the things that, uh, um, you know, it, like you referred to earlier, it's hard now because the, the debt loads that kids are coming out of school mm-hmm. with, uh, place them in, in a situation where they're sort of forced not to leave jobs, almost like health insurance. You can't go, you can't leave. Um, for me, it was just brainless inertia. My first job out of law school down in Charlotte um, was was not a good fit for me. Um, <laughs> just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was to the point where uh, I was 
getting sort of physical symptoms of stress, which is very rare for me. I mean, I, I don't really, things don't bother me particularly, uh, but the, uh, it was that bad. Uh, and I was, uh, I was fired there uh, two weeks before my oldest daughter was born. Mm. Uh, and my wife was thrilled. She was so happy. And we mm. had, you know, there wasn't really a safety net. And because I'd been so miserable, uh, that's how bad it was. Um, I guess the, one of the keys is don't be afraid to, to look around and find other things that if you're not enjoying where you are, absolutely. Uh, you know, don't, and don't think that you have to do the same thing the whole time you're practicing it uh, and don't get locked in, mm-hmm. uh, too early. Um, I mean, that's all easy advice for an old guy to give. Um, that's and if good you don't advice. Be a lawyer, don't be a, don't be a lawyer. I mean, <laughs> do something else. <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we do get paid reasonably well. You know, you talked about, you know, the, the money, we don't make as much money as people think we do. I think, mm-hmm. uh, at least not all of us. Um, but the, uh, but but it's it's a lot more than I'd get pay, be getting paid doing just about anything else I'm qualified to do. Um, I'm just stupid with money, so I'm you know like everybody else. I always got money troubles. But the uh, it really is. Uh, I mean, just do something you want to do. Don't do something you feel like you're locked into, if you can. Right, uh, and that's again that's really hard advice to give to yeah. somebody who's got you know debts to pay that that force them to do certain things. Um, I do worry about that. I worry about. Younger lawyers I see taking jobs because they, they feel like they have to have a job and then they're not happy in their job and they aren't fulfilled by the job and, and yeah. it shows. Um, yeah. And yeah. that's a, that's tough. I, I do encourage people to do a lot of internships, um, mm-hmm. look around a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I said I'm the accidental lawyer. I, I really did not know what I wanted to do. Um, and I kind of fell into it by accident. So, well, um, Jay, I, I do. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The, the other one, the other one thing that, I, that I, is is try not to let yourself be defined as being a lawyer. You know, the, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, you don't want your tombstone to say, you know, this guy was a great lawyer. I mean, you're, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I've, mm-hmm. I'm a friend of people, I'm a colleague, I, um, you know. I'm, I'm an orphan now because all of my parents mm-hmm. are dead. But the uh, but I've got there's a lot of things in your life that are not work, uh, and that's really a hard thing when you're you know again especially if you end up at some of the firms where you get driven very hard for billable hours and that sort of thing. You you can get lost in it and could be really hard to to get loose. And you know sometimes it's sort of caught, caught, you know, when I was doing stuff at Discovery Place it was because my boss thought that I should be doing specific things to be active in the community. He thought that was important, but it's, it's not, that doesn't fit for me. It's, I mean, I liked it, but it's not, you can't be doing the things because you're checking it off a list. Mm-hmm. Uh, do stuff you like and, you know, don't be afraid to enjoy your life, I guess. Well, that's great uh, advice. And uh, Jay, I want to thank you uh, for sure. joining me and um, I'd, I'd like to give you a plug. Um, I, I, I've known Jay um, for a while uh, a great lawyer, great person, obviously um, has some unique perspectives. If you have a question about workers' compensation law in North Carolina, if you'd like to know more about your legal rights and whether you have a case, I guess, uh, give Jay a call. I think your number, Jay, correct me, is 336-790-0157. Is that right? I have no idea. It might be. I may okay. be one of the ones that like, the internet <laughs> company does them. Uh, the, the number that's, uh, that is the one I use all the time is is three three six five seven four zero one seven four, and and you know we those of us who've been doing it for a while I know you do too Bill mm-hmm. um, it's important that we 
be reasonably generous with our time with other lawyers, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, uh, so, you know, that's not just clients who call. I mean, we, sure. uh, I'm not the only one, but of course, you know, the organization, as you know, is important for uh, helping lawyers. You know, sometimes a case falls in somebody's lap and uh, you got to kind of put your ego aside and realize that maybe you're going to do better if you talk to some people who've done more of that kind of work. Uh, but, you know, lawyers and, and law students, for that matter, feel free to give me a call. I, I like talking to people. Great, great. It's, and it's your great website's uh, lawyerforinjuredworkers.com? Yeah, I think so. And, and of course, if you just if you just look for Jay Gervasi, uh, um, I'm pretty much all that's going to pop up. I mean, I think some dad's old bridge scores might be way down there. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, I think I may be the only Jay Gervasi in the world at this point now that pop's gone. So uh, pretty easy to find. Right. Not, not a hard thing. Well, thank you so much again for your sure. time. And uh, if, if you uh, are a listener and you have legal topics or questions or would like more information about lawyers, the law, and the practice, uh, you may email me, Bill Powers, at bill at carolinaattorneys.com. And uh, Jay, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to hearing from everybody. Thank you. You've been listening to Law Talk with Bill Powers, your resource for answers to your most pressing legal questions on your time. Ready to discuss your matter now? Call 704-342-HELP for your free and totally confidential consultation. That's 704-342-4357. Law Talk with Bill Powers is an educational resource only. The information presented on this podcast does not constitute legal advice and is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney. Every situation is unique. Therefore, you should always consult with a licensed attorney before making any legal decisions. Thanks for listening.